Thank you so very much, Pastor. What a joy it is to be here this morning. And I thank God for a friendship, a great bond and great uh, friendship that I enjoy with your pastor, Pastor Mike Hoggett. And I believe that uh, you are blessed to be in this church and you are blessed to call Pastor Mike Hoggett as your pastor. I hope you all are behaving well. <laughs> supporting him, defending him, standing with him, praying for him, loving him. And I was greatly touched by this couple that came forward today. And, uh, you know, I appreciate it, Pastor, uh, with gifts and token of appreciation. Now, that is a great, great, great blessing. Um, in my church, uh, they do that. The second week of October, the church get together. And, uh, you know, they plan things secretly, they collect gifts, they collect money, uh, they, each family will bring gift and they'll bring some snacks and after the service they will celebrate thanking God uh, for me in their lives. Uh, these are things that I don't teach in my church, um, but, you know, uh, we want to be humble, we, we don't want the glory, but... It is a joy when the church get together and do that for their pastor. Yes. And, uh, I, and I believe this is something that every church should do. The second week of October is considered as a, a pastor's appreciation day. And the church together, collectively, should get together and give a surprise and show your pastor. I know you do that regularly, but, uh, you know, once in a year, it has to be made in a big way that when you encourage and you celebrate your pastor it suddenly makes a difference now i know he will not teach and preach those things to you uh, as i will not do that in my church but someone else like me come and remind uh, remind the church and tell the church to do that it's a good thing so the church should get together and do that and show gratitude and gratefulness to god and celebrating your pastor for you know giving him to be your your pastor, and, and, and I believe that is something that every church should do. And uh, thank you for that couple who did that. That is a great blessing, touched my heart. And uh, thank you so much. That, that gift that you gave to Lisa, what a blessing it is, definitely. And people in our church, the church get together and do that. And you all should do that for your pastor. Have a party sometime. Send him out for a holiday or give him a good offering and, uh, and, and just, it is needed. Uh, we go through a lot of discouragements, disappointments. We have our own enemies, the battles that we fight. But when we see that our church is behind us and our church loves us, and our church is not only saying it by word, but showing with actions and kindness, it makes a difference in our life. It's like a boost that keeps us going. So... Um, Beautiful song this morning. How wonderful that was. Uh, greatly sang by Elisa. And uh, I'm so happy to stand this uh, morning. As you saw this video, uh, I want you to know in the last two, in, uh, five years back I was here. How many of you remember I was here? There's something changed in me, isn't it? Last time I was here, I had hair. <laughs> and now I don't have hair. I... I mean, I have, but I shave. I shave uh, at least three times in a week. Um, my church members say that I look better like this. 
and it helps me to save time. I don't have to, you know, do anything to my hair now. Uh, thank you, Pastor Mike Hoggard. What a blessing it is to be behind your pulpit. I understand the weight it carries. Uh, people around the world uh, admire your pastor. They love your pastor. And for me to stand behind this is a great, great uh, responsibility that I don't take it for granted, Pastor. So thank you for trusting me and allowing me to stand behind your pulpit to bring the word of God uh, to your people. Thank you for your faithful support financially. Uh, monthly, uh, it, it helps us a lot. So thank you for being so generous in considering and praying for us and supporting us financially. And we appreciate that so very much. In the last two years, uh, a, a lot of things has happened. I don't know if you are aware, but twice I have been arrested. I was put behind bars uh, for preaching the word of God. And both the time, 24 hours each, I was put in the corner of the prison, locked in. But I did not sit there and become sad or cry. But I started singing and praising God and, and preaching the gospel to the police officers. Wow. So I can say I've started a prison ministry. So every time they come and arrest me, I scratch my hand. Like I get another opportunity to preach the gospel to the prisoners and to the police officers. So, um, but... Um, uh, my family has come under a great persecution and target. My cars was burned. My, uh, my home was vandalized. Rocks have been thrown on the top of my house where the roof broke and the rocks fell where my children were sleeping. Uh, we called the police. The police would not uh, take any action because these mafias bribe uh, police officers very much. So they don't take action. And one day... Um, you know, it was September 12, my son's birthday, my second son's birthday, and we were having lunch, and this guy is about 12 men, and the accusation there is he's converting all the Hindus to Christianity, you know, he's, he's preaching the gospel, and that is the accusation that they brought when we called the police. They wanted to provoke me to anger and bring me out and fight with them, and when I didn't do, they brought these small little bombs, basically, which can blast the stuff up on the stage and they threw two of the bombs inside my living room and that moment my boys were playing all my four little boys my boys my older boy is nine years old and then seven years old four years old and two years old imagine uh, what uh, what my boys went through about a week they were mentally paranoid with fear and they were sleeping with hers because of the fear and um, uh, but through it all, uh, God just, you know, uh, we went through a lot of mental stress. And the Bible college building that we ran, they vandalized our Bible college building wall. They drew all sexual pictures on the wall so the people who are walking by can see it. And they wrote my name on it. So every time I walked, every time people came in, all that they could see is those pictures on the wall. So they try to do everything possible to dis discourage and stop me from preaching. But having said all that thing, you know what God did was God totally used that situation and turned it for all good. You know, the Bible says, and we know uh, that all things works together for good to them that who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And so God just uh, 
pulled us out of that place where we were living. We were living in a small little apartment, a single bedroom apartment. Uh, and um, this uh, leader of the mafia was actually living in the same village that we live in. He was a leader. And God just took us away from that and brought us in a very safe place and put us in a beautiful home uh, found by one of our church members. And we are renting a beautiful home. And the uh, third house from where we live is a house where the daughter of the former vice president of India lives, which means we have the police officers always patrolling. And um, God has been good. Our church has multiplied. Um, you know, we were running about 80 now after that persecution. We had 150 people now faithfully, you know, saved, baptized members of our church. And we are so thankful to the Lord. So um, the Lord is working and the Lord is doing incredible things. The Bible College, uh, you know, students are doing great things. We have 27 students who have started working and planted churches. And uh, the needs are many and the fruits are great. And God is working among us just as God is working with you. Uh, same Bible, same Lord, same faith. And we are so thankful to that. So continue to pray for us. Pastor, what time do I stop? No? All right. <laughs> All right, turn your Bible to Second Chronicles chapter 29 this morning. Second Chronicles chapter, 29, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And I'm going to go through verse number 1 through 11 today. And we're going to see what the Lord has in store for you and for me this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 29. And my title would be, Let There Be Light. Let There Be Light. Verse number 1 uh, through 11, I will read and then we'll pray and get into the message. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah and daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. And he in the first year, uh, he in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street and said unto them, Hear me, a Levite, sanctify now yourself, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs." Also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lambs and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem and he has delivered them to trouble, to astonishment and to hissing as he see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword. And our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, 
Be not now negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father God, uh, please help me today to preach your word and speak to the hearts of your dear children. Help me, Lord, to um, be simple and, and bring understanding. I need you more today than ever before. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, that you may be the teacher this morning to this church and to the people watching us online. Lord God, I pray that thou will give a receptive heart and an alert mind to your children, that they may hear and concentrate and their faith may be increased and their lives may be stirred up and they may become passionate for you. Cover me behind thy cross so that Jesus Christ may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. We're looking at the life of Ezekiah here. If you read a chapter before, you understand Ezekiah was born in a family where the father was an evil man. A man that made God angry. A man that lived a wicked life. And you see here, Ezekiah became a, a king. The Bible says Ezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old. He was a twenty-five year young man. In, the day, in this day and age where people are confused about who they are. A man is confused whether he's a man or women are confused whether they are women. The first, you know, when we arrived and landed in Seattle uh, in the first week of September, we were waiting for our next flight to Denver. We came from India, landed in Seattle. And while we were sitting, a man walks by passing us and he was dressed up like a wolf. And my boys were surprised why a 50 or 60 year old man dressed up like a wolf. And they asked me, Daddy, Daddy, why is this man dressed up in such a funny way? And I said, Son, he was identifying himself as a wolf. And we are living in a day and age where people are so confused about their gender confused about who to marry and I'm here to tell you this morning God did not create Adam and Steve he created Adam and Eve and God wants men to marry a woman and a woman to marry a man and and we are living in a day and age of confusion today and and people uh, and and uh, young men are not willing to take responsibility a woman doesn't want to do what god has called a woman to do but here we look at a young man at the age of 25 become a king and taking upon him the responsibility to lead a nation and that's why uh, we, we need to uh, be so, um, we need to pray that our little boys in our church, the little boys in our family, no longer be boys when they grow up, but become men, and not only men, but a man of God. And so, look at Ezekiah, and it's chapter 28 tells us, Ezekiah had a bad father. And just to give you an understanding, look at chapter 28, verse number 19. Chapter uh, 28, verse 19 in Second Chronicles, the Bible says, For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, 
for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. That's Ahaz, the father of Ezekiah. He transgressed sore against the Lord. He brought God's judgment upon him and upon this nation. Look at verse number 25 to know more about this man. Uh, verse 25, and in, every, every, and in every several city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Now that's the kind of a man Ezekiah was, uh, uh, Ahaz was, Ahaz the father of Ezekiah. Look at verse 22. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that king Ahaz. This is that king Ahaz. When, when he was living, when there was great distress, what he did? He sinned more. He made God angry. He provoked God to anger. He was a very wicked man. And Ezekiah had a bad father. Ezekiah had a wicked father. Now Ezekiah had every right to say, I am this way because of what my father was. I am a drunkard because of my father. I am a fornicator because of my father. I am a very rebellious woman because of my mother. And Ezekiah could have given all kind of excuses looking at the lives of his father and the family that he was brought up in. But no, Ezekiah did much more, knew much better than that. When you look at verse number 2 of chapter 29, Ezekiah is rising above the normal uh, man and woman that would take, uh, uh, take uh, and, and uh, give excuses about so many things in verse number 2. And he did that which was right. In the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. Ezekiah's father was Ahaz. He was a bad man, wicked man. But what Ezekiah did was, knowing how his father was, instead of giving excuses and feeling sorry for himself, he said, I'm going to look at a godly man. I'm going to look at a man that walks with God. I'm going to look at a woman that walks with God, the one who is in the church, the one who prays, the one who loves God, the one who loves God's word, and I'm going to follow that man and that woman. And the Bible says Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. Hezekiah's father was not David. Hezekiah's father was Ahaz. But Hezekiah looked at a spiritual father. Hezekiah looked at David and he says, I want to be like David, a man after God's own heart. I don't know your background. I don't know what, you, what is happening in your family, but here, God put you in the house of God. God put you in the church. He saved you. And you know what in, we, as Christians we ought to do instead of giving excuses because of the past? We need to look forward to a man of God, a woman of God, the lady and the man in our church who loves God and follow them and, and, and watch their footsteps and do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Now, there may be some children in this church. And they may uh, not have a proper upbringing but because of either the mother or the father. I do not know what, uh, anything about you all. But you know what, dear friends? 
as a man in this church as a woman in this church you have not you, you have a responsibility not only for your children but for the children in this church amen because they are going to look at you and they're going to say i want to be like uncle john i want to be like aunt um, uh, you know uh, emily or i want to be like uncle roy and i want to be like this uh, aunt and i want to follow them because they love god and they they don't go out and sin they don't fornicate i want to do that which is right in the sight of the lord and so every man and every woman in the house of god the children are looking up unto you now um, and so you have responsibility not only for uh, for the for the um, children that god gave you but also for the children in the house that is not yours because they are looking up unto you and that's why we need to uh, we need to walk circumspectly that's why we need to walk um, you know knowing that we are being watched by our children and that we need to set a godly example in the way that we talk in the way we walk in the way we dress in the way we treat others so that our children may grow up and do that which is right in the sight of the lord and that's exactly what ezekiah did like i want to be like my pastor i want to be like my pastor's wife i want to be like that sister who sings for the lord i want to be like that brother who plays music for the lord i want to be like that brother who is a deacon who is who loves god i want to be like this brother and that sister and i want to please god you know i tell my wife you know i this is the this is what we do in our home while i do my studies in my own closet my wife does her reading of the bible and pray i i you know we decided this as we have little children and i tell my wife you know what we have to do this even publicly because so that our children can watch us and so what i do is i sometime purposefully i'll bring my bible all the time every morning and sit outside and read one chapter quietly and kneel down and pray so my boys can see me kneeling down and pray and they can see me reading the bible and my wife will do that you know what has happened by doing that consistently my children do that my son gets up and the first thing he does he'll take the bible i have a 4 year old boy he doesn't know how to read he has no idea what uh, how to read the bible but he knows that mommy and daddy reads the bible every day so he gets up in the morning he takes his bible and keeps turning the pages even though he doesn't know what to read he's watching and what our children do is they are watch they're learning by watching more than hearing and so dear friend you have a great responsibility to set a godly example to many as a kayers in this room and as a kayer did that which is right in the sight of the lord according to all that his father david uh, according to all david his father had done verse number 3 he in the first year of his reign in the first month opened the doors of the house of the lord and repaired them You know when he became the king you know first what he did he did not do his throne he did not do his uh, palace he did that which he did uh, first in the house of god he did god's work first he put god first in his life when you put god first in his life god takes care of your business dear friends 
you know he, he he did not do things for himself he in the first year of his reign in the first month opened the doors of the house of the lord you know, I've been traveling. There have been a couple of friends of mine who've been driving me to different places and showing me and taking me to another meeting in another place. And I've been driving or going through many places. I've seen one thing. I've seen so many churches are closed. Trees growing inside the churches. Churches are for sale. And I'll be speaking more on, on um, Pastor Mike online about the witchcraft. And, and, and don't be surprised when you celebrate uh, the, um, uh, not you, but the people in America when they celebrate Halloween, the same night, the same celebration is celebrated in India by the pagans. Same day. And we'll speak more on that. Things have been thrown inside our thing, like, like lemons uh, offered to the pagan gods and, and chuckles or, or diapers full of poop thrown inside our Bible college compound. We need to put God first in our life and, and, and what he did was in the first month, open the doors and, and if we want God to speak to our life, we need to open the doors. And look at the Bible, how it looks. It looks like a door. We got to open the door and let God's light come into us and repair our life. And that's why when a preacher stands and your pastor stands and preaches the word of God, you should not be getting mad but say, Preacher, preach the word of God. Instant, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and instruct with all long suffering and doctrines. We should not be getting mad when a preacher, when the man of God stands up and preaches the word of God. We need such kind of preaching in this day and age. We have too many who are putting butter to people. What we need today. And that's the reason what, what we see what's happening in, 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 in the world all over. In Christian world all over. Churches are becoming cold. Because nobody wants to open the Bible and repair themselves. The Bible says your body is the temple of the living God. God resides within you today. And if you want to repair your life, you and I need to open the word of God. The word of God is the light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. The word of God sanctifies and cleanses you and me. And that's why we need to stand behind a preacher and say, Preach the word of God, preacher. We don't need anything. We need the word of God. And we thank God that your preacher preaches nothing but the word of God. You've got to be thankful and grateful to God for such a thing as this. And so when we see he, he in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. We all need repairing. How many of you think you need repairing? Every morning when you get, you repair yourself. You brush your hair, you brush your teeth, you put on a new cloth, you, you have bath, you set your body clean. And, and, and when we repair our outward appearance, we ought to repair our inside too. Our spiritual life. Every day. Every day we need repairing. We need repairing in our, uh, as much as is in the physical realm or material realm of our building, the church building, it ought to be about a spiritual building also. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? If you destroy the temple of God, God will destroy you. And so we need repair. And the way to repair is through the word of God. 
We need to open the doors, open the word of God, and, and, and repair ourselves. And, and we got to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You gave us a book that we can trust in you. Amen. That, uh, you know, you are speaking the truth still to us. And thank God the word of God is in the King James Bible. Amen. It's not in any other Bible but the King James Bible. This is the word of God. It's pure and perfect and preserved for you and for me and, for, and to all generation. Right. We got to be thankful to that. Verse number four. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. Verse five. And said unto them, Hear me, a Levite, sanctify now yourself and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. So he brings these people. Hezekiah has his focus right. Hezekiah said, I want to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. I want the house of God to be repaired. I want God's people to love God. I want God's people to put God first in their life. I want to tell every father and mother uh, uh, to live a life that sets a godly example to their children. And not only to their own children, but also to the children in the church. And also to their neighbors who are watching them. So they may have a godly testimony and they may influence and impact the lives of the people living in their surrounding. So they may say, wow, you're Christians. You know, we have a neighbor, and they are Roman Catholics. And when we went there, and, and they would, um, you know, uh, many times we tried to witness to them, and, and you know, they would be very, uh, you know, very, very kind people, but they would, they would never listen to the gospel that we preach. But they watched us every morning. We got up. My boys dressed up and I dressed up. My, and my wife dressed up. Every Sunday morning they saw us. And we, I, we would purposely ask, so you're not going to church? They said, oh no. Every Sunday we would do that. You know, recently we noticed. My wife told me, they are listening to your sermon on the YouTube. Amen. Something is happening. Amen. They are listening to the word of God. My dear friend, we ought to remember this one thing, that you and I are the light of the world and the salt of this world, and people are watching us, and we must, as much as we preach the word of God, we must also show them with our life and testimony. Now, our life and testimony may not bring anyone to Christ. It is through the preaching of the gospel. And we need to do both together. And so here, the word of God, we, speak, we see that he is bringing everybody together. In verse number 5, And said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourself, and sanctify the house of the Lord, God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. The Ahaz had messed up the house of God. The people were uh, following the pagan god. They were worshipping the pagan god. They made everything else as their god but the god of the Bible. Ezekiah wanted to do the right thing, first thing first. He said, you know what? I want sanctification. We all need sanctification. We are bombarded with so many things in the world today that is easily provokes our mind into filthiness. And we all need sanctification. Amen. We look at what we think. We, you know, I was just telling pastor about uh, th this morning. Uh, you know, we, yesterday I went to 
this uh, Walmart and I saw a 10-year-old girl. She looks like a 19-year-old girl. Yeah. That tells a lot. A 10-year-old girl looks like a 19-year-old girl. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's, it's, that, that's just one thing, but there are so many things that's happening. It's not just in America, in India. India has gone way forward in our sins, in wickedness. And already there's so much of paganism. And what we need as Christians, we need sanctification. Amen. And the way to have sanctification is through the word of God. That's why we've got to be the people of the word of God. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse number 17, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. And you and I will be sanctified through the word of God. That's why we should not be spending more time in the ball game, but in the word of God. There's nothing wrong in playing. There's nothing wrong in some entertainment. But you and I as Christians, if we want to live a sanctified life, it ought to be in the word of God. Sanctification doesn't come by the water in the pool or by a bath in the shower. It comes in through the word of God. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 26, I believe, it says, um, you know, about husband loving your wife and wife submitting, and they say, uh, uh, we, we ought to cleanse our wife through the water, which is the word of God. The word of God is the water that cleanses us. And that's why we need the word of God. The word of God is the water. It sanctifies, it cleanses, it brings light into our life. It opens our eyes because it's honey. It puts us firm because it's a hammer. It cuts us because it's a sword. It directs us because it's a compass. That's the word of God. We should not be tired of hearing the word of God. We need more of it. When we feel like, oh, I'm tired, I don't feel like reading, I don't feel like going to church, I don't feel like hearing the word of God, that's when, when we need more. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. If you want uh, to have a good um, a spiritual life, you've got to be in the word of God. If you want your children to gr grow up, to be godly men and godly women, you got to be in the word of God. If you want your wife to be a godly woman, she ought to be in the word of God. If we want our church to please God, then we ought to be in the word of God. And that's how sanctification comes and filthiness goes out. God does that in our life. Look at verse number 6. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of our God, Lord God, Lord our God. And have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their back. So Ezekiah is speaking about how these people in uh, his, uh, you know, uh, his other generation, how, what they did. They, they made God angry. They turned their back to God and they were worshipping pagan gods. And, and they were celebrating pagan gods. And, and they, turned God, uh, they turned their back to God and they made God angry and jealous. God is a jealous God. Look at verse number 7. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch. Look at what this, this verse is speaking about the churches in this day and age. That's why the Bible is not just an old book. It's the most contemporary relevant book. Today's book. 
God still speaks about though he wrote then he still speaks today it's a living word it's not a dead it's a living word it's alive forevermore you know what verse number 7 speaks about also they have shut up the doors of the porch that's why churches are closed today and put out the lamp that's why they want darkness in the church they don't want the lights on i salute you for keeping the lights on in the house of god amen and the church of house uh, the house of god should be bright and light because a god you know god god said let there be light and that's the first thing in genesis chapter 1 he ever spoke now of course the first thing he spoke in in, in job chapter 38 which is recorded but when you see in genesis chapter 1 the first word that god ever uttered is not switch off the light but let there be light that's what god said but in this day and age what we see ah oh, we need to attract the youth so oh, we need to uh, make the people comfortable but we need to have it like a status style switch off the light and let people just go to sleep when the pastor preaches <laughs> we see here and also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the god of israel I turn your bible to Ephesians chapter 6 why people don't like light today why do they why do they want to switch off the light even in churches today i want you to know that not all churches worship god just because they take the name of jesus not all churches are, are, are truly saved and and living for the lord look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 12 the bible says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers now look at this against the rulers of what the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places they like darkness people like to sin in darkness that's why this world like darkness the house of god should not be a house of darkness it should be a house of light Jesus said light of the world. And then he says you are the light of the world. We are the children of light. We are not the children of darkness. There's no connection between you and me of with darkness. We are the children of the light. Look at Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 if you will please. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Everybody okay? Yes. Amen. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 Look what God speaks about when darkness is loud by people Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and the light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter You know where there should be light they want darkness Now when you when you go to a uh, a mall is a, a, a you know to buy clothes what do you see is is the is the mall dark or bright it's bright with light isn't it because they want you to come in they want you to see they want you to check everything and buy now when you go to eat in a restaurant it's not dark what do you see in dark in the bar in the disco bar it's dark with blue lights 
But when you want to go and eat nicely, a wonderful meal with your family, you go to a place where it's bright and you know, oh, there is no cockroach in my food. <laughs> There's no worms crawling in my rice. We want to see. We want light in our restaurants where we eat. And when we come in the house of God, we want light. We want the preacher to preach the word of God and we want to search the scripture to see whether what he says is true or not. We don't want some fairy tales like Joel Osteen or, or Joyce Meyer. We want the word of God. Oh, that's why we need to be like, preach, preacher, preach the word of God. We need some cheerleaders in the house of God with modest clothing. Amen. Preaching. We need some cheering. We say, Pastor, we want the word of God. Come on, preach the word of God. We want more light. We need more sanctification. We want to walk with God. We, want, we understand my grandchildren, my granddaughter, my grandson, my, my great-grandchildren are watching us. The children in my church are watching us. Some of them may, may not be having a good father. The father may not be wanting to follow God. Or some of them may not have a good mother who doesn't want to follow God. But they are watching you. Amen? And so you and I take this great responsibility to set a godly example. And I believe that you know that. And I believe that you are already doing that. And I want to say, keep on keeping on. Keep it going. The today's churches are dark and worldly. And God says, let there be light. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3. That's the first thing he said. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then we sign in verse number 4, the light came and 4,000 years later, uh, you know, four, uh, in the, when you check the Bible calendar, 4,000 years later, the light of the world was born in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 8. <laughs> Look at verse number 8. You know what verse number 8 is speaking about? America is accepting this with wide open arms today. I, I've read about some Baptist churches opening their doors and, and putting on the mats for those things to happen. What is that I'm talking about? Look at verse number 8. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has delivered uh, them to trouble, to astonishment, look at that, and to hissing as he see with your eyes. Who hisses? Snake. Snake. Who worships snakes? The pagans. And how is this pagan religion has been accepted? I'm not saying America is a Christian nation, but at least it is built upon Christian principle. On biblical principle. But unfortunately... What was not accepted 40 years ago is now freely, widely accepted by this country and many other nations. Yoga. 
It's a religion of the hissing snake. You may say, I'm just stretching, pastor. No, it's not stretching. It is the position of every pagan Hindu gods and goddesses. You think it's an exercise? It's not an exercise, my dear beloveds. It is a worship of the pagan gods. It's invoking the pagan gods from the pit of hell and connecting your soul to them in the name of exercise, but it is worship. But it is accepted by Christians today. They say, oh, we are, oh, come on, you're just being too judgmental. It is, you know, it is not worship. We are not chanting that vibration. We are just doing stretching. You can do many other stretching. Why you got to go into that? That's pagan worship. Every position of yoga stretching is the position of a Hindu gods and goddesses. So when you do those kind of position, you're actually making yourself as God. Like, you know, you go to in, in, in the, a particular word in India, we may say Namaste. And we think that, you know what Namaste means? I bow down to the God inside you. Wow. I bow down to the God inside you. That's why we Christians in India don't say Namaste. We say Jai Masiki means praise the Lord. So sometimes out of ignorance people do that. But we got to understand that's the religion of the hissing snake. And God says beware. And people were doing that. They were worshipping serpents. And he's been there from Genesis. Deceiving and beguiling people. And he's beguiling churches today. And so what God does is, wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with your eyes. You can see it today, isn't it? You can see it when you look around. You can look around some churches, what's happening. You can see with your eyes what's happening. How can I be protected from all this thing? Be in the word. Be in the word of God. Which word, preacher? The King James Bible. Verse number nine. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Wonder why, you know, this nation is considered as one of the greatest nations in the world, one of the most powerful nations in the world, one of the most richest nations in the world. But now... People are wondering whether their leader is sleeping or awake. The world is mocking. And, and this is kind of a judgment of God. When the people of God are careless and, and is not serious anymore about their relationship with God. And God says, okay, this is what you wanted. Take him now. Ask him which flavor of ice cream he likes. He's going to lead you. And the Bible says, For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. 
And that's what happens. And, and man, when we, when, when we don't live for the Lord, uh, when we don't walk with God, we bring our family into captivity. Because the, the evil one is waiting as a roaring lion waiting to devour. And he's trying to get our boys and our girls and our husbands and our wives. And what we need is an edge of protection from God. And the way to have the edge of protection from God is to be, is to be in the word of God, in the house of God, around the people of God. Amen. Those are the three things that is needed for you and for me to be protected. To be in the word of God, in the house of God, and around the people of God. We need to make that as our lifestyle. We need to make our children believe that that is the only way to survive in this wicked world. If not, we will bring our family into captivity. We will see our wives wanting to be worldly, our husbands wanting to be worldly, our children wanting to be worldly. Verse number 10. Now it is in my heart. Everybody should be saying this like Hezekiah said. Now it is in my heart. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. That this fierce wrath may turn away from us. Lord, I want to make a covenant with you. I, want, I don't want this judgment to come upon my family, upon my church, upon my nation. Of course, there's not going to be any peace anymore in this world until the Lord comes and establishes His peace. The world can try to manufacture all kind of fabricated peace. Peace can only come through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I give you peace, not the peace of this world, but my peace I leave with you. And he went with that, but he's going to come and he will bring peace in this world. Until then, confusion, war, famines, pestilences. We need to understand that if we want to live without fear, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord God and in the word of God and in the house of God and be around the people of God. So make in your heart. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant. What is that? Verse number 11. Every godly man, every godly woman should make, uh, take responsibility and make a covenant. Verse 11. My sons, be not now negligent don't be negligent. You know, a lot of people have become negligent about, become lazy about doing anything for the Lord, taking responsibility upon them. God says, no, 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 no. Don't be negligent. Don't be negligent setting a godly example for your children and for your wives and for your husband. Don't be negligent to be setting a godly example to the church. Get busy in the house of God. Get involved in serving the Lord. Use your talent Tell somebody about the Lord. Invite somebody to the house of God. C come and clean the church. Get busy. Don't be negligent. It's not the duty about the pastor alone, the church. I believe you're doing that. I'm just reminding you. We all need some reminding. Amen? 
Everybody okay? Amen. I just want to charge this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord has chosen you. Look around. How many people are around in your neighborhood? And you know what? God picked you up. Yeah. And God saved you. And God gave you a good family. God brought you in the house of God. God gave you a preacher. God gave you a book. He chose you. He's been good to you. How wonderful our God is. You and I deserve hell. You and I deserve no good. And it is by God's mercy and grace. He saved you and me through faith. And it's not, the, uh, it's not our works. Lest you boast, dear friend. It is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and the not of ourselves is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8. And then why we are saved? Verse number 9. We are saved unto good works. That's why we got to be busy in the work of God, and serving the Lord, and supporting the work of God in your church and around your church. So make a covenant today which you have already done, renew it today. And say, Lord, oh, the covenant that I made with you, I want to renew it again today. That I want to be a faithful husband to my wife. I want to stay faithful to her. I want to keep my eyes on her. I want to keep my eyes on her body. I want to keep my eyes upon loving my wife. And, and, and every wife, make a covenant with God and say, Lord, I want to be submissive and faithful to my husband. Keep my eyes on my husband. Love him and respect him and honor him. Make a covenant, fathers and mothers, to love your children and, and, and set a godly example to them. And make a covenant as a family that you will be in the word of God, in the house of God, and around the people of God. That you will be the light and the salt of this world. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him. He says, I want you to stand before me. I've chosen you to serve me. I've chosen you to stand before me. The Bible says, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before me, before him. To serve him. God takes us up and saves us and, and, and puts us up there. Makes us stand and then he says, I want you to serve. I want you to serve. I don't want you to be negligent. I want you to serve. I want you to use your talent for the furtherance of the gospel. He says, uh, chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and look at this, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. How do we do? We praise God. How do we minister? By witnessing, by praising God, by singing his praises, by praying, by worshiping him. That's called burning incense. When the praise goes up, the blessings comes down. Amen. So dear friends, that's what God wants us to know. God says, hey, if you don't have anybody to follow as a godly man, find a godly man in the church. Look at your pastor. Follow him. It's not wrong to follow. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We need some godly men and godly women that our children can follow. 
So he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all David his father had done. And secondly, he opened the Bible. He opened the house of God and repaired. We all need repairing day by day. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day, we need repairing. We got to be busy. We need to treat the, world, the business of God as very busy thing. We need to stay busy in the business of God. We got to be in the business of the Father. And that's what Jesus showed us. Know ye not that I'm in my Father's business? We've got to be opening the Bible and repairing ourselves and sanctifying ourselves daily. Keep short account. You know, when you sin, you're not going to be a perfect person anyway until you go to be with the Lord. I'm not preaching sinless. We may fall. We may fall 70 times. But when you fall, dear friend, don't stay there. Don't become bitter against God. Don't blame God for your sin. When you fall, Remember this and put this in your heart and mind. I got four boys. I got four boys. And you know what? When they do things that is not right, they see fire in my eyes. When I go to discipline them, now they know how to butter me up. So when they see me, that they did something wrong and they messed it up, and daddy is going to discipline them, my boys, they will do one thing. They will stand up and run to me. They don't run away from me. They don't run and hide behind the couch or behind the doors or behind the bed. They run to me and they hug my leg and say, Daddy, Daddy, I need you. And that melts my heart. And my dear beloveds, when you fall, don't run away. Don't be bitter against God. Don't stay away from the house of God. Don't say, oh man, I mentioned I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be with the people of God. I don't want to read my Bible. No, 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 no. When you fall, get up and run to God. And say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. You know, I fell. The things that I want to do, I'm not doing. And the things that I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Lord, please have mercy upon me. Forgive my sin. I don't want to be in the world because of I fail. I want to be with you, God, and run to God immediately. And every time you run to God, He will forgive you. He will embrace you. He will accept you. He understands you. I don't want anyone to become bitter when you fall. Like, oh, this is what I did. I fell. I don't want to be going to church anymore. I don't want to read the Bible anymore. I don't want to, you know, serve the Lord anymore. Because look what I did. No. Run to God and say, God, I messed it up. Forgive me, Lord. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I repent of my sin. And me as an evil man, if I know how to love my children back, how much more the Father in heaven how much more our Lord Jesus who died for your sin, who stretched his hand and said, this much do I love you. Every time he will accept you and forgive you and embrace you. I want you to make a covenant this morning again. Re re renew your covenant with God and say, God, I make a covenant with you this morning to stand up, to serve, and to minister you. To set a godly example to the children around. So when they see, they may do that which is right in the sight of the Lord.
keep the lights on in your life because you're the children of the light. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer?